Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's great to be with you here today. Episode 101. It's an exciting episode for us. Keith and I dive straight into it. We don't skip a beat talking about how Regal is going under. There needs to be a reset in Hollywood understanding the theatrical release structure. And really, what's Apple doing? Are they just sitting on their hands? Are they rotting away? We talk about that and many other things on this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Keith. Tim. Happy 101, man. Happy 101. Wow, I can't believe we made it. You know, let's uh, let's take a moment of seriousness because the Queen has passed away, and that is that's a major world event that is happening right now. So it's odd to just jump right into anything else without recognizing wow the the presence, the power, the importance of that position, and truly a gracious person that's done it for a very long time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, all sympathies go with the british people and her direct family in particular uh 96 years old and if there's anyone who lived a life of consequence and of just absolute uh service to her country it would be queen elizabeth who as everyone probably knows uh became sort of the heir to the throne unexpectedly when her uncle abdicated and you know 25 when her father died unexpectedly largely because the office essentially killed him and you know she ascended to that role and she did it to the best of her ability and admirably and um it's hard to believe that she's gone because through my entire lifetime i've only known queen elizabeth and it really is the end of an elizabethan age and it's it it is uh definitely a moment in world history and she left her mark um, it's almost like the end of an era as well, because, you know, she came from that generation of the stiff upper lip, keep calm, carry on. And I think that generation is somewhat fast for the most part. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the next era brings with King Charles taking over. And, uh, you know, he's 74 years old, so he's the oldest heir to the throne ever, I think. So it, it'll be interesting to see what the next few years bring. But, you know, she was a force unto herself and she did her job with honor and duty. And we could only be so lucky to do our jobs and in the, in the way that she did hers. Yeah. Grace, understanding and scrutiny. She's gone through all of that, which is made for some good Hollywood content. Along yes. the way, you know, <laughs> there are some great movies about Queen Elizabeth. The, you know, the crown being obviously the foremost in your mind. The queen was a great movie with Helen Murin. Uh, playing the role of Queen Elizabeth about the death of Diana and probably yeah. the the crisis that she faced um, the most uh, to her to her vaulted uh, opinion uh, that the people of uh, the UK held her in um, it was probably most at threat during that period. But she recovered admirably. She always stayed above the fray. Uh, never really got down and dirty. Always seemed to seem to almost enjoy a lot of sort of the the parts of interacting with with her subjects so again you know she she did it with grace and honor and her her love of country i think is unsurpassed yeah in it's the amazing modern age. I, it's a you know we all living on a career we're all kind of uh, pushing through a life we all kind of have what we perceive as a calling mm -hmm. um and to watch somebody or to witness somebody i should say um live out a purpose in such a long and important way it's very interesting because 
yeah. humanity is still true, right? Still all human and therefore same issues and same scrutinies and same abilities that you know we have. So it's awesome to see somebody um, to that perfection. So many blessings to you in the UK, those of you personally touched by this, but I think the whole world needs to recognize that. So yeah, pretty awesome, pretty awesome historical event um, that's happening. And you're right, Keith, I think more to come. So welcome, welcome to Hollywood Breaks. It's great to be with you uh, today, Keith. Um, thank you for your Vision Craft Brew this week. I appreciate you sending me a special shipment. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Always happy to provide. I um, I don't know about the rest of the people, but I get my Vision Craft Brew via email. <laughs> it comes straight in email, straight to my inbox. Straight into your email from uh, the Founders Brew, right? You get the yep. Founders Brew. Yes, yes. Yep. And then, uh, oh yeah, I, I do. I get the founders brew version of vision vision craft is the yeah the brewery yes. but right i do get the founders brew and my brewery's uh, up here tim come on it's my <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> okay oh did you think i was talking about the drink oh no this no, is green sorry. juice okay, man this it. is not got no it. no, right. no just, i got confused <laughs> please don't be confused but if people do want some vision craft brew it's really good oh and, good and full yeah, of it is flavor and yeah and you get, you know, me as part of the deal too. So, I mean, come on, it's full on entertainment package all rolled into one. No, I think I got the um, red carpet treatment when I signed up. But if someone wanted to sign up for the Founders Brew right now, you can do uh, my website, visioncraftbrew.com. Uh, there's a way to sign up there and you get a special, um, a uh, special uh, access to one of my exclusive uh, marketing uh, strategy papers, uh, how, to th- how to think like Marvel. Um, if you sign up through the website, uh, you can also th- sign up through my Instagram, uh, Hollywood Breaks underscore Keith, uh, as well as looking for the Founders Brew on Substack. And you can subscribe there as well. And it's all free. I don't charge because I'm giving this as a, a peek into my brain for all you lovely people. So there's no charge to it. So feel free to sign up. And uh, it's a weekly newsletter and we tackle everything from culture, Hollywood, and even sometimes a little bit of politics, but not a ton. Um, so it's a very interesting brew, as they say, of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, what we talk about in the show, but, uh, we also, I also sometimes go beyond what we talk about on the show as well. So feel free to subscribe at any one of those, um, outlets. Get the behind the scenes thoughts of Keith. Yes. That leads to a great episodes like today. <laughs> hey, so maybe, uh, I tried to break up the the queen dying and our first topic, because I felt like they might not go. Someone might perceive me as saying, you know, regal going bankrupt and dying (laughs) and the queen dying as the same thing. I want to make sure there's no confusion there. Yes. That was smart. (laughs) Thanks for the, thanks for the plug in the middle (laughs) way to use my company as a segue in your, in your, in your show flow. Thank you for that. Between a queen dying and a theater dying. Great. Yeah, well, and it's called Regal. <laughs> so I didn't think that yeah. just ah! in case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, nice See? catch there. I, I like it's that. It's really confusing. It's going to be confusing. <laughs> so Regal's dead, huh? The bankruptcy is real. This is it. Yeah. I mean, when we talked about it a few weeks ago, it was, uh, it was in the, the Cinna World, who's the parent company, which is a UK company, I believe. The CEO had announced that this was an option on the table. Um, they officially filed. And as reported by uh, you know a friend of our podcast, Sean McNulty, on his um, on his newsletter this morning, they have brace yourself, Tim, four million dollars in cash on hand. Four million. That's all they got left. Wow, that's not going to yeah. be a payroll. No, they're going to have. So interestingly enough, you bring up the payroll because I guess what happened was the bankruptcy judge they 
they went before the bankruptcy judge, which is typically what happens. And the bankruptcy judge oversees the Chapter 11 bankruptcy to make sure, you know, everything's running smoothly. Um, apparently, he said they had to go back to the drawing board because they didn't ensure that the employees were going to be paid. The bankruptcy plan that they had in, in, in place was to make sure that all the creditors got paid. Because apparently there's a lot of creditors. There's something like 70 or so leases they haven't paid in months. They owe a bunch of studios money. I mean, they are a mess. And they're the number two theater uh, owner in the country. So, uh, I, I, you know, listen, I think they're going to come out of it. But I think they're going to be a lot less theaters. We're looking at a lot less regal theaters um, if, you know, if in order to, you know, come out of this in the black. If you burn the popcorn vendor, you're <laughs> one, it smells bad because you yeah. burn popcorn really bad. But you burn that popcorn vendor. You burn that you popcorn no, vendor. You have no me, theatrical yeah. experience. Yeah, that's it. You're gonna have to go get buy some a of AMC's popcorn, which uh, you know, their CEO <laughs> wants to start selling. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a that is a total mess. You know, um it was it's interesting to have this happening because last weekend, uh, which we didn't cover, was uh International Theater Day. What was it called? National Theater Day. Yeah, National Theater Day. It was like three dollars to go back to the theaters. And yeah, packed, like standing room only kind of uh, spaces for people. Yeah, it did which I well. think the heat wave on the West Coast helped get people yes. into the theaters to begin with. Yeah, three dollars yep. for two hours of air conditioning There's is a <laughs> good deal, no matter what. <laughs> no matter what you're watching, I think every theater. No matter what you're watching, it doesn't matter. I, you know, watch Top Gun for the fiftieth time. It doesn't matter. You're yeah. cool. <laughs> It, um, it was interesting. I was reading an article about how they didn't know how to keep score in the box office because it's usually dollars, but then who reigns when it's $3 a person no matter what and yep. every theater is full. So body count or something like that. Um, and I thought to myself, wow, this is the problem we're having. Like then we're, then we have some success. Like, wow, which one do we count? All the money we made or all the people that showed up here? How do we know who reigned? They're like, how about we just put it on pause for a week? Call yeah. it National Theater Week. Not right. care who reigned in the box office. And yeah. pick it back up with Maverick probably back in first place. Because that that movie will not go away. No. And it's uh, it's it's crushing it in all kinds of ways. And, you know, it, it's great for the movie itself. And I'm happy about Paramount. And, you know, Brian Robbins even came out this past week at a conference and said, we're going to start releasing more movies theatrically. So this is good. There are, there's a lot of good news in terms of the studios recommitting to the theatrical experience. Warner Bros. Discovery being one of them. Paramount now committing to releasing more movies. This is all great. The problem is, I don't know if there's going to be any theaters. <laughs> yeah. uh, because so many, of you know, Regal and AMC's obviously got their ups and downs because they're playing with the you know, the meme stock market and God knows what, how that's going to resolve. But I think, like I said, Regal will come out of this most likely, but there's, it means that theaters that are sort of more rural are probably going to get the plug pulled. Um, you know, I think there has to be a moment where the studios have to realize that. And this is why I think the Netflix correction has come at sort of an opportune time because it's now showing people that the streaming market isn't the end all be all which is where a lot of the students were chasing and their parent companies were chasing it. It's like, no, this is where we have to be. Look at Netflix. And now Netflix is having correction and they're sort of trying to figure out their way forward. You know, we're never going to have an ad supported service. Oh, whoops. Yeah, we are going to have an ad supported service because we need the money. So everything's changing, which is great. And you know, we talked about a lot in this podcast. That's, you know, all there's a lot of good things that are coming about with this change that's happening. 
Um, but I do think the studios have to start stepping up a little bit more in terms of saving the theatrical experience because the distributors, exhibitors, aren't going to be able to do it on their own. And, you know, this is, I, I mentioned this in my newsletter this week, you know, Comcast, hello, there's suburb, the Philly suburbs have theaters that could use saving. This is an opportunity to take the, the downfall yeah. of Paramount decree and, you know, do some experimenting. I mean, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. You already got the product. You're just going to have to style up the theater a little bit. And guess what? Hey, you got a ton of people down in Florida who know how to entertain a, cons a consumer. So bring some of them up and turn it into like a, almost like a amusement park. There's ways around this. Yeah, do um, similar to El Capitan and in, in Hollywood. Why not yeah. um, kind of something? And that I th right. honestly think this is we're probably seeing that underlining thing we've been talking about since the Paramount decree went away, which is the studios can now own the theaters again, mm -hmm. right? And and yeah. get rid of that monopoly holding. The studios are making the money. Paramount has made a billion dollars off of Maverick already. Disney did, is doing fine with Disney Plus. Um, Warner Brothers has HBO Max. They're killing it in their own right sometimes. Um, <laughs> but the Always. opportunity for the studios now to step in as the theaters are going bankrupt, to me, you know, it's the cynic in me. But I honestly think the studios played a game with the theaters to put them in the situation. Why wouldn't they? If you know you're going to be buying theaters in, um, soon, why wouldn't you hold back content? Why wouldn't you uh, pivot? Use yeah. whatever excuse you had on hand to kind of push them to the limit and then buy it for pennies on the dollar. So we'll see. This is a prediction, but I'm, I'm going to say like, we're going to see somebody step in here and, and start buying something. Well, up. I mean, listen, if you look at like all the studios, oh, like I, I mentioned at the top, Regal owes all these theaters money. Uh, all the studios, excuse me, money. So... I can conceivably say Universal saying, okay, hey, we'll give you a 20% break if you give us this theater in X, Y, in that country or for a, a price, or we'll give you a break on this if you give us that. And, I mean, of all the studios, I think Universal is the one who's been most willing to experiment. And, you know, I think Donna and Jeff Shell, Donna Langley and Jeff Shell have been very smart about how they've sort of navigated this area. They've been committed to theatrical, but they're also like, okay, but we don't want the streaming service to completely collapse. So we'll we'll feed it where we can, but there's still a theatrical commitment here that we don't want to just completely, you, you know, put in the back burner. But at the same time, we don't want to screw our partners in exhibition who have been loyal to us for years. So if we do, you know, they had this whole setup where, you know, if it doesn't make a certain amount of money after two weeks, it goes to a streaming service, but they give some of that money to the exhibitors. So it's not a complete wash for the exhibitors. Um, so I think there's a way forward. It's just, again, this, this, is a, this is a bugabear of mine, that just the leadership and the lack of sort of any vision in Hollywood right now is just beyond frustrating to me because this is the opportunity where vision is needed. Yeah. Yeah, to put all the pieces together. Yeah, interesting time. I, you know, with, uh, with uh, all the OTT platforms that have stepped up too, and there's obviously was a challenge on one front now to have opportunity and challenge on another front. You can see where leadership needs to have a big picture idea of like where they want to go, where they think Hollywood's going to go, where entertainment is best going to be seen. Some of it's not even on these platforms at all, right? There are people being distracted already with, you know, TikTok videos, video games, and and NFT Twitter spaces that yep. don't even show up on the radar of what we call traditional Hollywood. But the reality is that competition is out there. And to try to get new viewers, new followers, you know, new customers in and consuming your content, loving your brands and, and keep on coming back. It's, it's a great challenge. Um, you know, some, some of what this is a pivot, by the way, 
this um some of what is uh you can see where the the front runners are kind of um i had to tell you that because we didn't do a pre-show okay thanks so i'm pivoting pivoting got it yeah okay cool i i, I thought that dude you don't have to explain it i get it i get it okay you're sure okay cool yes. <laughs> i just, just want to make sure funny. i didn't want you to go back i wanted you to <laughs> no i'm moving forward baby okay i'm following your lead don't worry um so uh apple tv apple tv is one that has put their foot in the game but hasn't really kind of lean into it we at one point were saying apple should be buying sony sony doesn't have an ott platform apple's across the street the old columbia building or tristar yeah. building is where they're living and clearly they're across the street from it but now no cmo apple tv might be um resetting itself here well it's just interesting because apple tv now joins so netflix they had they their ceo left another uh woman stepped up into that role. Amazon is still looking, although the word on the street is Sue Kroll, who was the former head of worldwide marketing at Warner Brothers and was a consultant on Lord of the Rings, Power of the Rings, their Amazon show, is now in talks to potentially take that role at Amazon video, uh, Prime. And then Chris Van Amberg, who was the head of essentially the CMO because he was the head of video marketing at Apple, and that's essentially the CMO, announced this week that he is leaving to spend time with his family. Now, Okay, I don't. I'm not going to begrudge him wanting to spend time with family. I think it's kind of a cover. I think he got pushed out the door because Apple has been somewhat disappointed by the performance of some of their series. Aside, Coda aside, and um, JP Richards, who was the head of film marketing, he left almost two or three months ago now. So they're basically leadership leadershipless. Without you know, there's nobody mm -hmm. sort of run the ship in the sort of streaming world at Amazon or at Apple right now. And it's very interesting because they made, you know, they made such a big deal about pulling all these people from the studios and, oh, we're going to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, that doesn't seem to be the case. And it's, it seems to me that the worlds of tech and how they do things and the worlds of the studio and how thing, certain things are done are sort of colliding and they're not really meeting in the middle and figuring out a way to make this work. And, you know, we've kind of seen this in action when we have, you know, when we had Cami on. You know, someone who's experienced both sides of the coin in terms of streaming and theatrical. You know, when you go into theatrical, as we've talked about this too, like it's a different ball game. It's you know, it's a, a campaign from start to finish, and it's months long. And you know, you get the satisfaction of opening a movie, but the disappointment of it not working. Whereas in you know, in the streaming world, it's trailer, tile, next. I mean, that's essentially what you know what the world of streaming is, and that these people are not built to do that. And there's a lot of what the studio marketing space does so well, which is basically take something that's unknown and make it a cultural event. And that's what the studio marketing people, we saw that done beautifully with, with Paramount and what Mark Weinstock and his team were able to do by opening that movie. Well, even like the success of Coda was based on the kind of the value of the movie itself. The marketing didn't really get it out there. As we know, they slowly rolled it out. Like, oh, people like it. And they got it closer and closer and closer. Yeah. They thought, okay, we'll do a theatrical release, see if we can nominate this for an Oscar. But then truly right afterward, they won the Oscar. What's the Apple TV done since then? Like there's no, there's no real follow-up. There's no real great studio experience that you get like, oh, the studio that brought you Coda is now back in the game where we know from past experience, a small upstart that's, that isn't even an Oscar nominator, let alone an Oscar winner, can launch themselves into a great series of 
theatrical releases with a good following because they have this amazing infusion. Maybe, you know, an Oscar win on the Apple um, mantle is just so tiny. You know, they're a $2 trillion company. Yeah. Oh, sure. We made an extra hundred million over there or whatever. Like, you know, and they're maybe not really feeling it. I think that it's always been sort of their vibe. It's sort of like, we're going to play in this space. We're not going to pay too much attention to it. I mean, ideally, I think in their world, they want to be like HBO. They want to have this like prestige, you know, because the Apple brand started with this sort of idea of being a very prestigious brand. You know, it's their quality products. It's, you know, sleek design. And, and there's just things that are associated with the Apple brand. And they want to kind of bring that, I think, over to Apple TV+. Plus. But I don't think they really, at this point, I understand the idea was sort of like, we're just going to exist. And then people are just going to find us because we it's, you know, it's a drop in the bucket in our balance sheet. But at this point, there doesn't, they're just, they just seem to be rudderless. They don't seem to have an idea, a strategy. They're, they're spending all this money bringing Brad Pitt in, Martin Scorsese, all these movies. And it's like, that's all well and good. But do you guys know what the hell you're doing with all this stuff? It doesn't seem like you do. Like people are still having trouble finding Apple TV plus like you're two years into the game. Now you have an Oscar winning film. And they still can't find your damn service. That's a problem. Yeah. And by the way, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, as soon as you turn on the, your Apple TV, it's the first thing there, but, but it doesn't even, yes, it's not the first thing. I, when I found my Apple TV, the last place I go was to find out was if Apple released a new film. Yes. Cause it's exactly. a platform for everything else. It's a yeah. platform. It, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, just the, again, like the ability to choose. I yeah. feel like Amazon struggles with the same thing. Amazon's the right platform if you're looking for a film. Any film you, if you know what film you want to watch, you can basically search for it on Prime and then it's there. So that's mm. the best part of it. But if they're releasing their new content, I don't think of watching new content on Amazon Prime first. My, well, you know, I'm a cinema geek, but I would think like the first place I want to watch a film would be in the theater and then the theater going to OTT. I have that kind of mindset. So I think the, the challenge of these platforms in the marketing side is changing my mindset of it's not television, it's film, even though they're releasing it on my TV on to service. do it with. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that, I mean, I, I still think the streamers are leaving a lot of money on the line by not doing theatrical releases. It's just, we've got a lot, we're starting to get a lot of evidence with Halloween kills, dies, whatever the second Halloween was. Yeah. Um, and Batman where both, did really well on streaming and it was a simultaneous release and they did really well in the box office. There's an opportunity here that the streamers are just ignoring because they want the service to be the first, first, first place you go. And I think you're right. It, that, that's, it, and again, this goes back to the problem that we've been talking about for almost go, going on two and a half years now. What is a film? What is a movie? What does it mean? Is it, if it premieres on Netflix, it's still a movie or is it just a TV movie? Like, you know, what are, what are those distinctions? And I think, you know, we, we kind of know what Amazon's play is. They want people to just, just stay on Amazon. Like, if you stay yeah. and watch a show, don't unsubscribe. Great. Don't yeah. unsubscribe. You stay on Amazon Prime. They're getting that money regardless because people use it for the two-day shipping. You know, you can, there's, you know, you've got all the services. You got Audible. You got all this stuff you can use on Amazon Prime. So I never expected them to be like, we are, you know, 100% into this. This is what we want to do. It's all about, we just want you to stay on the platform, which I don't think is ever going to be really be a problem for Amazon Prime because they just offer so much. Yeah, you know, we look at Netflix where it's more like we just don't want you to not. We don't want you to go anywhere else. We don't want you to unsubscribe. We want to keep you every month. 
Um, but again, they're not making a lot of changes. Like, look at you know the idea of of binging. Like, they're still the only streamer that releases episodes all at once, and most of the other streamers are weekly now. And because they're trying to reduce the churn, but Netflix is like, well, this is the model we committed to. Yeah. So again, it's like there's a lot of things that they all have to take a look at to really think if this is, you know, are we strategically moving in the right direction? For Apple TV Plus, I'd say they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're spending all this money, which is great, but where's the return? What are you getting out of this? Like, there's just, there's no sense to it. And, you know, I think HBO Max is sort of going to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to look and what the discovery assets coming in, what that's all going to look like. So, you know, they've had some really great successes over the last six months or so. So I think HBO Max is in a, a, a really good position. Paramount Plus has been doing fairly well. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's just a matter of in what 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 your strategy is and what direction you go. And, and you know, Bob Iger mentioned at a code conference came out looking quite tanned and relaxed to, to announce something that I think it's good to be Bob Iger nowadays. Yeah, good to be Bob Iger. <laughs> um, he, he came out and said, you know, I don't think they're all going to make it. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I think the first one on the chopping block right now is Peacock. They are struggling. They don't have a lot of people. They don't come have- on Peacock. When was the last time you turned on Peacock? Well, they made no money. They made no money. And I don't think they had any subscribers. And their their broadband and their cable is dropping. So I mean, Peacock's probably going to be the first one that yeah hits the hits hits the off button. <laughs> yeah, they should buy up the theaters in in Philadelphia because the OTT they'll get more viewers in the four theaters in Philadelphia than they will on Peacock. I'm pretty. Sure. I mean, but just think about what you could do with the lobby. It could be just like Comcast properties. You could have <laughs> Xfinity. You could have Peacock. <laughs> you could have. Uh, you could promote the latest Universal movie. You could offer a package, uh, uh, a trip to Universal Studios in Florida or Hollywood. I mean, the opportunities are endless. Keith, save it for your pitch. Just start writing it in there. Walk into the lobby. Brian Roberts, start... call me. Come on. Yeah. I, I can help you out here. Brian, man. maybe we could just make a phone call right now. It's not that call... far away from your house. I, I don't know. Maybe I can get Donna Langley on the line. I know somebody who knows her and knows her. Yeah, see? Right. Dame Donna Langley. I'm sorry. She was she was she was minted by the queen. So she's now Dame Donna Langley. Don't be knocking her down off of her dame ship. No, I'm not knocking her down in her dame ship. She probably deserves it. She's one of the uh, foremost leaders in Hollywood at the moment. One of the one of one of the few that I actually respect. Yeah, yeah. That's leadership we can actually stand behind. Yes, I like yeah, that. leadership <laughs> I can actually stand behind. Exactly. And that's not just so she gets you in the meeting with Brian so you can tell him to buy right. the theaters. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think you should just, you know, you go to those black tie events in Philadelphia anyway, the, you know, the $20,000 plate dinners. Why don't, why don't you just talk to Brian when you're there? I probably should at this, at this point, uh, I'll probably run into him at some event down the road if I'll, a black tie event. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he subscribes to the founders brew. So, you know, that he's hanging out at the Liberty Bell bar drinking that right now. <laughs> yep. Liberty Bell bar, baby. Your favorite spot, still, still kicking. That is survived. my favorite spot. You it's can't survived even. the pandemic, man. It didn't of course go under. It did. Of course, <laughs> it's like the greatest. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for uh, wrapping it up this week. I think you uh, pulled it together for episode one hundred and one, and without a pre-show, look at us. Without a pre-show, yeah, I know. A hundred episodes into it, and we can we can just riff. <laughs> Although you did have to tell me to pivot, you were pivoting, which I thought was a little too on the nose. I just wanted to make sure. 
I was. I usually tell you I'm going from A to B to C. I didn't want you to think I was sticking with it. Uh, well, I think after 101 <laughs> episodes of us doing this, we worked together for what almost two years. I think I can I can pick up on your cues, Tim. At this point, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not, I can. I'll have Lydia send you messages. Yeah, you can just have you send her me message. Just put Keith, up a sign pivot, and say, "For goodness pivot, sakes, pivot, <laughs> pivot one, pivot two. <laughs> I think I'll get the hint. All right. We'll have a great week. Yeah, you too. And uh, keep the brew coming. I'll keep the brew brewing. Appreciate every ounce of it I get. Uh, that's what I do, man. That's why I'm here. And Lydia, Michelle, Connor, thank you again for pulling this together. Even though uh, Keith and I didn't pregame a little bit here, you guys can edit this thing and make it really good. So we appreciate you for that. <laughs> great. You revealed our secret. <laughs> have a good weekend. Uh, you too. See you next week. Thank you, bye.